What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. On today's episode, we're going to pick over-unders for every single team in the NBA. We're going to talk about contract extensions for guys on rookie deals and what it means for the Blazers extension eligible players. And I want to close the show giving you reasons for optimism for the Blazers season. So let's jump right into these over-unders. Listener Jordan asked me to do this, and I'm going to try I'm going to try to do all 30 teams in the whole in the first segment. Try to keep it under 10 minutes. I'm going to give you the over-under from betonline.ag, who sent me these over-unders on Monday. So these are as of December 21st. And I'm going to give you a one-sentence reason why I'm picking the over-under. We're going to go through all 30 NBA teams, alphabetical order, starting with Eastern Conference, finishing with the Western Conference. Let's get into it. We start with the Atlanta Hawks. The over-under is set at 36 and a half games. That's the equivalent of 41 and a half wins. Basically, will the Hawks be a 500 level team? I'm a hater. I'm going to say no. The Hawks finish slightly under. I'll take the under. I'm not a believer that uh, Trey Young and Bogdanovich and Danilo Gallinari is uh, a winning basketball team, even though I'm a big Danilo fan. Boston Celtics are our next team over under 44 and a half wins. That's the equivalent of 50 and a half in an 82 game season. I will take the over with some concerns. If Kemba Walker was healthy, I'd pound the over, but Jason Tatum's really good. Jalen Brown's really good. They're going to be really good. Brooklyn Nets over under 44 and a half wins. That's that same number as the Celtics, equivalent of 50 and a half in an 82 game season. I'm going to take the over. I have the Nets finishing with the third best record in the East, and let's say that's 45 wins. Next one, over under 26 and a half wins for the Charlotte Hornets, the equivalent of 30 wins in a two-game season. I'm going to take the under. I think this team stinks. 50, I mean, that's a 50-loss season, 52-loss season in the in the in a regular schedules. So maybe I'm being too much of a hater, but yeah, I think this team's bad. Uh Lamella Ball, a lot of fun. The rest of their roster, not as much fun. Over under 28 and a half wins for the Chicago Bulls. That's the equivalent of 32 and a half in 82 game regular season. I'm I'm pounding the over. I, I don't think this is a playoff team, but I think this is like a 500 level basketball team. I, I, I like the Bulls group. Um, Kobe White's a Carolina guy. Of course, I'm, I'm loving it. Over under 21 and a half wins for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Equivalent of 24 and a half in 82 game season. Oh, that's close. I'm, I'll take the over, but slightly. I'll say, you know, they're a 22 win team. Over under 23 and a half wins for the Pistons, the equivalent of 27 in an 82 game season. Ah, man. Just because they have Blake Griffin, I'm going to go over, but they're. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm, they, they, is, with Blake Griffin is healthy, they'll steal some wins they shouldn't otherwise get. I'm taking the over on 23 and a half. Indiana Pacers. Over under 39 and a half wins. That's the equivalent of 45 wins in a regular season, in the 82 game season. Uh, I think that's right where they're going to finish. I'll take the under. Uh, I'll take it. I'll take the under because I say 39. The Miami Heat over under 43 and a half wins during the regular season, the equivalent of 49 and a half in 82 game schedule. Under, but sli- I think slightly. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the under, but with trepidation. Milwaukee Bucks over under 50 and a half wins. That's 57 and a half wins during an 82 game season. I will take the over. 
with some concerns. I still think this is like a 60-win team. I just don't think they're going to go hard like they did in past seasons because their plan is to win a championship. But I'm taking the over on 50.5 on the Bucks. Over under 22.5 wins for the New York Knicks. A good friend of mine who doesn't listen to the show thinks the Knicks are going to make the playoffs. I think they're the worst team in the NBA. I will take the under at 22.5, but boy, I'm that's not many wins. 25.5 during a two-game season. I'll take the under, but I'm a little nervous. Orlando Magic, 31.5 over under, 31.5 wins. That's the equivalent of 36 wins during the regular season. I'll take the over. The Magic are... They have a, just a way of being competent. Um, I think they're going to be right around 500. I'd put them at like 39 wins during a regular a regular year. Over under 44 and a half wins for the Philadelphia 76ers. That's 50 and a half in an 82 game season. I'm going to take the under. Uh, I think they're going to be good, but they're just uh, Ben Simmons is might not be on the team the whole season. Joel Embiid gets hurt. I don't love their depth behind him. Apologies to Dwight Howard. Uh, I think they're right around there, but I'll take the under. Toronto Raptors over under 42.5 wins, the equivalent of 48.5 during a two-game schedule. I'll take the over. The Raptors always do this. I kind of wanted to take the under, but I just I can't pick against this team. They just they they refuse to go out. They're not gonna go. This is not how they go out. This isn't the year. I'll take the over. And finally, the final team in the East, the Washington Wizards, over under 33 and a half, according to the good folks at betonline.ag. I'm going to take, that's the equivalent of 38 during a, a 82 game season. I'm going to take the under. I'm a little nervous because I think they're going to be pretty good, but I hate their depth. Um, I'll take the under on 33 and a half for the Wizards. That's the Eastern Conference. These odds, again, courtesy of betonline.ag, the official betting partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. Let's move over to the West and cruise through alphabetical order. First up, the Dallas Mavericks. Over under 42.5 wins. That's the equivalent of 48.5 in an 82-game season. I'm going to take the under. If Chris Stapps was healthy, I'd pound the over. Um, but without... Uh, without my man Dwight Powell and Chris Stapps rolling together as that wonderful front court, I'm a little bit nervous. Apologies to Maxi Kleber. Over under 43 and a half wins for the Denver Nuggets, the equivalent of 49 and a half during the 82 game season. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the over. I think this team might be awesome. I think maybe people are overrating, myself included, Jeremy Grant's departure, and that they're just gonna be really good because they have, um. They just have two really good players and some and a bunch of depth behind them. So yeah, I'll take the over on 43 and a half wins for the Denver Nuggets. 38 and a half wins for the Golden State Warriors. Uh to be to be totally upfront with y'all, I'm recording this after the Warriors. I did not watch the game, but the Warriors got smoked by the Brooklyn Nets, which certainly, I want to say it doesn't paint my uh, opinion, but it certainly does. This is equivalent of 44 wins over an 82-game season. I'm taking the under. That team stinks. Sorry, they're not making the playoffs. Um, they had an incredible run and then really unfortunate luck that couldn't extend it. Steph Curry, a generational talent. The rest of that roster, whack. Houston Rockets, betonline.ag has taken them off the board because of the uncertainty surrounding James Harden and his future. You cannot bet right now on their uh, on a futures win total for the Rockets. Fair enough. They might super stink. Um, I can see why they're not on the board. I think with, with James Harden, this team's like a 36-win team this year. That's, that's like slightly over 500. Um, without him, they're obviously way worse. 
Next, over-under on the books, the Los Angeles Clippers, 46.5 wins, the equivalent of 50.5 during the 82-game season. I'm taking the over. I think the Clippers win the West this year during the regular season. They're really good. Um, they were really good last year. They just were really bad at the wrong time. Uh, yeah, I'm taking the over for 46.5 on the Clippers. Next up is over under 47, 47 and a half wins for the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm going to take the under. I don't think they're going to try as hard to be really good during the regular season. They were obviously fantastic during last year's regular season campaign, but uh, LeBron's teams before that were pretty um, were pretty happy to coast. Um, you know, Cleveland finished fourth, I believe. I think it was fourth. And the last time they made the finals with LeBron on the roster, he's not afraid of, uh, they're not afraid of going on the road to the Clippers version of Staples Center. So I'll take the under on 47 and a half wins for the Lakers. I think they finished second or third in the West during the regular season. Over under 30 and a half wins for the Memphis Grizzlies. That's the equivalent of 36 and 82 game season. I do think the Grizzlies are going to regress. I don't think they're a playoff team this year. I think Jaron Jackson Jr.'s injury will limit them during the regular season. Um, this seems a little low, so I, I, I'll i take the over, but I I think the line is pretty fair. Um, if you don't, you know where to find me, at Mike G. Rich on Twitter. Next up, Minnesota Timberwolves, 29.5 wins, the equivalent of 33.5 wins over an 82-game season. I'm taking the under. I think this team stinks. Um they have some fun players. I'll probably watch them a lot on League Pass, but I don't think they're good at going to be very good at winning basketball. Even though they did make they they added some like they have some vets that can help you win games. So they might surprise me, but I, I think they're bad. Over under 35 and a half wins for the New Orleans Pelicans. That's the equivalent of 40 and a half wins over an 82 game season. I'm gonna take the under. I'm a little nervous by that, but um I am. I'm going to say they're right around there, at, uh, but I think this is a slightly below 500 team. Um, we're ready to anoint Zion. Let's um, let's let's have him play a bunch of games and be really good. He's played a limited number of games and been really good, but you got to play a bunch to win a bunch. Next up, Oklahoma City Thunder over under 22 and a half wins, the equivalent of 25 and a half wins during a regular season or during an 82 game season. Rather, I'm going to take the over. I think they're like a 30 win team during a regular year. Um, they're still going to lose. They still would lose 50 times. I think they're going to be bad, but not like horrifically, horrifically bad. Uh, I think Shea Jills Alexander is just too good for them to tank as much as they want to. Over under 41 and a half wins for your Portland Trailblazers. I pegged them to win 43 games in another uh, podcast I, I was on earlier this year. I'm going to stick with that prediction, so I'm taking the over. That's like them winning 48 games in a regular season. I know they looked bad in the preseason, but that's, I kind of think that's where they are. I think this is a 48-win team and if this was an 82-game year. So I'm going to say they're a 43-win team this year in the 72-game schedule. I'm taking the over on 41 and a half for the Trailblazers. Over under 28 and a half wins for the Sacramento Kings, the equivalent of 32 and a half during the 82 game season. Ah, this is this is a really good line. This is kind of where I think the Kings are going to be. I'll take the over slightly, over slightly, but I think that's that's a pretty good line. San Antonio Spurs, 29 and a half, the equivalent of 33 and a half wins in 82 game season. I'll take the over. The Spurs always do this. Also, they just have a bunch of vets. Like they still have Demar Derozan and Lamarcus Aldridge. They're going to be competitive until they trade those guys, or if they don't trade those guys, they're going to be just like pretty, pretty decent. I think this is like a 36 win team during a regular year. And finally, the Utah Jazz over under 42 and a half wins, the equivalent of 48 and a half during the regular season. I, I think that's close. Um, 
I've picked them to finish behind the excuse me, just ahead of the Blazers when I penciled out the uh, the standings. So I'll say over, but I'm I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous about the Jazz. Um, they always like are bad early and then come on really strong late in the season. Can they do that? Can they do that yet again where, where we start saying, well, after after January 17th, the Jazz were actually on pace to win 61 games. Not how the standings work. Sorry. All right, that was it. We did all 30 teams. Over-unders for all 30 teams, courtesy of the good folks at betonline.ag. In the second segment, I want to talk about rookie extensions, what it means for the Blazers' extension-eligible players. I think some some of the extensions signed earlier this week helped set the market for Gary Trent Jr. and Zach Collins. So that's what we'll talk about in the second segment. But before I do that, I want to tell y'all, of course about betonline.ag. Do you want to bet on the over-unders for every single NBA team? Well, they're available for you right now. You can place futures bets by visiting betonline.ag. Do you want to put a wager down on Damian Lillard winning MVP, Carmelo Anthony winning sixth man of the year, Terry Stotts coach of the year, most improved player for Gary Trent Jr.? They're all available on betonline.ag. It's only one place that has you covered and only one place we trust here, the Locked On Podcast Network. That's betonline.ag. So sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for for your 50% off welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON to receive 50% off your welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right. So we talked all about the over-unders for every team in the NBA in the first half. That that was sent in a request by listener Jordan. But speaking of bets, why not listen to the new Locked On podcast show, Locked On Bets. The holidays are all about giving, so I'm giving you a hot tip that could earn you some extra cash. This new podcast, Locked on Bets, which is hosted by Lee Sterling of ParamountSports.com. Lee is red hot to start this season, and he shares a lock of the day on every episode. So subscribe to Locked on Bets today wherever you get podcasts. So Jordan, listener Jordan hooked us up with the first segment. The second segment comes via Sir Wheezy at Wheezy Sir on Twitter, who sent me this question for Mailbag Monday, and I was going to, I had it all planned out, and I just skipped over it. But basically, the idea is that a bunch of players, a bunch of guys sign rookie extensions. And Zach Collins, who was rookie extension eligible, he did not sign one. Uh, it was reported by Jason Quick of The Athletic earlier, or last week, or maybe over the weekend, rather, that Zach wouldn't agree to one. Doesn't make sense. The Blazers. You know, he hasn't played a bunch. His market value will be low. He's going to get his most money by playing well in a Blazer uniform. The Blazers want to make sure he plays well in a Blazer uniform for paying him. Makes sense for both sides to wait. In addition, Gary Trent Jr. has said that he is not going to sign a uh, contract extension. He's going to wait and enter free agency this summer. Both of them will be restricted free agents. If the Blazers want to bring them back, they can. However, a handful of players who were rookie uh, extension eligible signed deals. This week, before the Monday's deadline passed, and I think some of those deals helped uh, kind of set the set the 
the maybe not set the market, but set a kind of range for what you can expect for guys like Gary Trent Jr. and Zach Collins. However, before the flurry of deals that happened on Monday, Lakers, the Lakers signed forward Kyle Kuzma to a three-year $40 million extension. And uh, that was kind of the premise for Wheezy's question is basically like, does Kuzma set the set the number for Zach Collins? And I think that that's about in the range that right now that Collins could hope to get um, is three years at about 13 million, a little over 13 million a year. I think that's, I think that's a reasonable, would be a reasonable get for, uh, for Zach right now and probably even be over, um, what I would guess he would get right now, but he's going to come back and play and he'll kind of set his market. Then if he's healthy, I think he can get more frontline starters in the league make in the range of $20 million a year. A good bench player makes between 10 and 15, 10 and, and 10 and 12. Uh, Kuzma's being played like a like a top seven guy, but not a top five guy. And I think that's a pretty good market for for what for what a like a, a positive outcome for Zach Collins's wallet could be. He's not going to get the four years $80 million that Jonathan Jonathan Isaac signed. Um, Isaac obviously coming off a ACL injury, but he has been just better than Collins. He's he's just way more productive and has higher upside than Collins right now. Other bigs to sign um, to from that 2017 draft class to sign contracts include or other like forward types. OJ Anobi four for 72 million. Uh, I think that's way over what Zach would expect. I think a nice deal for Zach right now, and maybe he doesn't agree, and maybe his representation doesn't agree, but it would be kind of like the Myers Leonard Moharkless four for forty deals, where you get long term uh, financial security, but you don't get a ton of money. You're kind of paid like a backup. Uh, Collins probably fancies himself a starter in the league, and I think the Blazers envisioned him being a starter in the league. But it is what it is. Uh, he needs to prove it to get there. So I think that ten to twelve million range is probably a good bet for uh, what Zach would sign. I, I think it's very likely he resigns. to be clear. It's just um, he's not breaking the bank just based on his first three years in the league. Year four is a huge year for him. Speaking of huge years, Gary Trent Jr., a second round pick. is. I had a podcast about this earlier this year. You can go back and find it in your feed, but he's betting on himself. He has is, he is declined to sign an extension. He actually is a second round pick, so he can, he can sign extension into the season. There is no deadline for him, but he said he's going to play out the season without a contract extension, betting on himself that he can get a good, again, get a better deal this off season. His max would be four years for $53 million. And I think based on what we have seen on the guys who sign deals, that is about what I had what I assumed at the time was that was the baseline that him and his representation at Clutch Sports assumed he would get. Four for fifty. So no matter what happens, he's still getting four for fifty. And based on what what other guys in his draft class signed, four for fifty is right about that type of money. Derek White signed a four-year $73 million contract. Derek White is probably a better basketball player than Gary Trent Jr. Maybe if you're a big Gary Trent guy and you're a big Gary Trent believer going forward, you think that uh, you know he could be better than Derek White. But White White does something that uh that Gary Trent doesn't do, and that's dribble. He dribbles and can make plays off the bounce. Gary Trent Jr. is a dogged defender and a lights-out NBA shooter, but he has not shown much of a package with the ball in his hands. He's not going to get to dribble much playing on this Blazers team. Um, he is a 3 and D guy, not a sort of backup point guard creator guy. Uh, White, four years, 73, I think is well above what uh, what 
Gary Trent Jr. could expect in the open market. But then there's this the other big one. Luke Kennard, four for 64. Luke Kennard was a lottery pick, um, and he's been a pretty good basketball player for the Detroit Pistons, even if he went to the wrong college. You can look it up. But the Clippers traded for him, sending out Landry, Landry Shamit in a multi-team deal to acquire Kennard and make him a part of the future, and then they paid him to be part of the future. Four years, $64 million for Luke Kennard. And I think Luke Kennard at his best is, is or you know, as healthiest, I should say, is probably a really, really reasonable comp for for Gary Trent Jr. So I think when Gary, when I saw the news come across my timeline, four for 64 for Luke Kennard, I thought to myself, that's good news. That's good news for the Gary Trent Jr. bank account because I think from four for 53, he just got bumped up to, to you know four for 60. I'm at least as good as Luke Kennard or at least guys who are, um, you know, complimentary three-point shooters. Luke Kennard has some playmaking ability in him, but three and D types or at least like complimentary wing types are making four for 64. That's what Gary Trent deserves in the open market. Things can change. Obviously, guys play themselves into these contracts um, by not signing by the deadline or, or in Gary Trench's case, choosing not to sign one in general. Uh, you know, you this season will inform the kind of contract you get. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic did not sign a uh, a rookie extension, and he had his worst year with the Blazers coming off uh, that decision, and he ended up signing a four for forty eight deal. Kind of l- probably lowered his market value with with his worst year on on the roster. If he had signed early, he may have gotten you know maybe it would have ended up right around at the same money. But he did not play himself into a bigger contract. Trent Jr. and Zach Collins have a chance to make themselves some money over the coming months. Particularly Zach Collins, he could make himself some real money if he's a if he's a helpful part of this Blazers rotation. Um, this is the type of thing where maybe they lock into him as part of the plan. They the Blazers don't have a lot of financial flexibility moving forward. They're going to be a tax team for years to come, very likely. So retaining your own free agents is probably their best path forward. It's um, it's something they've done in the past, and I think it's something they'll do again in the future. But I do think the deals for Kyle Kuzma and the deal for Luke Kennard, two guys who signed to play for the LA teams, are pretty good barometers for Zach Collins and Gary Trent Jr. So remember those deals when we enter the offseason for about what the price range you should expect the Blazers to have to fork over to keep Trent Jr. and Zach Collins on the roster. Okay, third segment. I want to close out the show with some positivity. I know that the Blazers preseason has um, made people, has brought up some doubts for the Blazers and Blazer fans in particularly. So I want to close out the show with real reasons for optimism about the Blazers as they head into opening night this evening against the Utah Jazz. But before we do that, I want to tell you all about Built Go. The good folks at Built Bar not only make protein bars, they also make the best workout gel on the market. That's Built Go. And what it does is it helps you break through your wall. What is your wall? Well, it's whatever you need to get past. For me, it's after a full day of work, I want to work out and then record a podcast. Well, I just grab one of these little one and a half ounce packages that come in delicious flavors like peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. I eat one of these and I'm ready to go. I'm breaking through my wall, both mental and physical. 
Build Go is effective, or at least it works for me, because it's kind of like five-hour energy without the crash feeling, and it's natural, so it's it's better for your body. Uh, you don't feel as wonky uh, loading up on caffeine on unnatural caffeine in other products because Bill Go isn't unnatural. Here's how it works. It combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, gets into your system fast, and it's easy on your stomach. It's also loaded with good stuff to ignite your work like beta alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine. It's got about 100 milligrams of caffeine. It's kind of like a standard cup of coffee. It gets you going and then it keeps you going because it's got B6 and 10,000% of your daily percentage of B12. Break through your wall with Built Go. And to do that, you're going to want to visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED at BuiltGo.com for 20% off. Let's go. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, chances are you might be into fantasy basketball. And if you need advice, it's important you have a reliable source. More people trust Josh Lloyd, the host of Locked On Fantasy Basketball, than any other fantasy basketball podcast. So subscribe to the number one fantasy basketball podcast. That's Locked On Fantasy Basketball, wherever you get podcasts. All right, so we talked, we did, we cruised through over-unders for all 30 NBA teams. We talked about contract extensions, the market that may have been set, or the or sort of the ranges that may have been set for Gary Trent Jr. and Zach Collins, who are both eligible, or both will be entering restricted free agency this summer. They're not eligible for contracts. They're going to need new ones. Blazers may have gotten some hints about what that will cost them by looking at what other teams did to set the market for their players. But what I want to close this show on is some positivity. I've recorded a lot of podcasts about how the Blazers look terrible in the preseason. Talked about how their defense looks bad. Talked about how their second unit looks ISO heavy and all these things. But I want to offer you some real reasons for optimism. The Blazers, the Blazers opened their season this evening against the Utah Jazz. Game at the Moda Center. It'll be the first time in seven years I'm not at opening day. It's going to be strange. But I'm still excited for the season. I love the NBA. I'm happy that it's back, even under the strange conditions that it is. If you were a longtime listener of this show, you know that I don't really do game previews or uh, or even game recaps. I don't. The, they play 70 games in a season, 82 in a regular season. They're going to play 70 games this year. Talking about a game preview or a game recap for uh, when they're going to play four times a week doesn't seem like valuable to me. The way to think about this team and think about this league is with trends. So instead of previewing the Jazz and telling you all about Rudy Gobert and Joe Inglis and Donovan Mitchell, I want to give you a bigger picture view of why I'm excited for this season and beyond just this Jazz matchup, why you should be optimistic about Blazers' chances. The first reason for optimism about these Blazers is that they have a lot of different looks. Sure, they have struggled, but... In a way that preseason kind of locks you into how you want to play because you're trying to figure out the rotations and you also don't want to stretch guys too long and you don't and you know you're not going to play the fourth quarter with all your regulars, et cetera, et cetera. The regular season doesn't have rules like that. 
If the Blazers find a matchup that works, they can exploit it. And for the first time in what seems like forever, the Blazers have enough people to match up with teams. They have a lot of different looks. Now, figuring out what looks work against what opponents will be a challenge. But if the Blazers want to go big, they can go big. If the Blazers want to play small ball, they're really equipped to play small if they want. If the Blazers want to absolutely spread teams out, they can play pretty competent four-guard lineups and, go, and just go get teams in playground-style basketball. They've got a lot of different looks. They don't have to lock in to play one way. Now, it would be nice if they could lock in to play well first, and then we could talk about uh, style and lineups and all that stuff. But I think the the reason for optimism is that if Ennis Kander isn't playing well, you can go to Harry Giles. If If it isn't Carmelo's night, you can play other guys at power forward. You can just say, hey, Derek Jones Jr. and Robert Covington, you're going to slide up and play more four. If it's not CJ's night, you can ask Gary Trent Jr. to play a little bit more. If it's not Rodney Hood's night, you can play more Carmelo Anthony. You've got a you've got some you've got some different looks, you've got some real variants, you've got three centers who are capable of contributing, two kind of big bruisers and an athletic young uh young vet, as Neil O'Shea calls him, and Harry Giles, who can give the team a different look. You can go sort of with a heavier defensive lineup and and put Gary Trent Jr. in place of uh, C.J. McCollum in that starting group and have maybe four really good defenders next to Damian Lillard, something I don't think the Blazers could do in a, in a long time with Gary Trent Jr. and Derek Jones Jr., Robert Covington, and Nurk. That's, that's real value. They can The Blazers can show teams a bunch of different styles, and I think that is a reason for optimism. They don't have to play one way and hope it works. They can play... They can figure out what works each night and tailor it to that opponent, something they haven't been able to do. My second reason you should be optimistic about the Blazers' chances is that you saw them at their best already. In that opening quarter of preseason, really the whole first half against the Sacramento Kings, the shots went in. And you saw what this team can be like when they're hitting on all cylinders. Carmelo Anthony made his first five shots. The Blazers hit a ton of threes. Damian Lillard stepped into 35-footers. They showed you what they can be at their best. Now, they showed you what they can be at not even close to their best in those two games against the Denver Nuggets. But they don't have to play the Denver Nuggets every night. Perhaps that's just a bad matchup. Maybe the Nuggets are actually a really good team and we're kind of um, underrating how good a team that went to the Western Conference and returns most of its core with um, some emerging young players is. Now, I don't want to wipe away and say, oh, the Blazers, you know, struggled against a good team in preseason. It doesn't matter. But I know this. I don't have to dream about what the Blazers would look like if their offense was really clicking because I already saw it. I already saw what this team is capable of, and I think this team has a chance to be one of the best offenses in the league. They were the third best offense in the NBA last season, and they're better. They have better offensive weapons than they did a year ago. Like, they're a better offensive group, and they were top three in the league. This team could be right there again. And while you may have some concerns about style and ISO and and not enough ball movement and all those things, I think the Blazers, even if it isn't uh, as aesthetically pleasing as maybe... um, basketball purists among us would hope for, they might just be devastating. They just might have a lot of dudes who can go get a bucket. And you know that they are, at least to some extent, capable of doing it. You've already seen them when they're clicking. They can get back there. You don't have to dream about it. You just have to, you know, check your DVR from a couple weeks ago, 10 days ago. 
And finally, the, the last reason that you should be confident about this team is because you haven't seen Damian Lillard go into takeover mode yet. You have not seen a game where Dame says, okay, y'all aren't doing it. It's my turn. And you know that he is capable of. The run that he went on at the end of January and into February and then the run that he went on in Orlando in the bubble is a reminder of what he's capable of when he's really when he really decides to be as dominant as he can. He is an offense unto himself. And we have not seen Damian Lillard back up against the wall in a game that matters, say, hey, y'all, jump on the cape because I'm going Superman. We know it's there. We have seen him touch heights that very few in the league can, can even dream about, much less play 10 straight games of. He is capable of offensive firepower that maybe two or three other dudes on the planet are capable of. And we haven't seen him have to tap into that. Now, in a perfect world, he wouldn't have to tap into that 70 nights a year. But the reason you should be optimistic is because if the game is on the line and the Blazers start playing against four good teams, Utah, Houston, and both LA teams. So these are, you know, playoff level teams before Houston figures out whatever they're going to do. And if Damian Lord needs to take over, I have confidence that he will go ahead and try to take over games. He's capable of doing against any level of competition. And in the preseason, we didn't see him in the fourth quarter mounting his charge, mounting a charge. Saw the Blazers kind of get rocked in three quarters with him on the court, but we never got to that moment where the Blazers are down double digits and Dame says, okay, I'm not sure we can come back, but I know I'm our best chance and I'm going to go ahead and put it, put it into a gear that no one else can get to. Dame's ability to do that is what keeps this team, it keeps their floor so high. They're just, they're only so bad they can be with one of the 10 best players and probably the best player at his position on the court. Dame's ability to dominate is the number one reason that I'm optimistic about the Blazers' chances this year. We haven't seen him, we haven't seen him sort of reach back and try to find that in his bag yet. But we all know if you've watched them him play that he's capable of it. So if you're worried about this Blazers team, remember that. They have more versatility than they've had in the past. You already know the offense is capable of being good, which will cover up their warts. And beyond that, their best player, their leader, the franchise, hasn't tried to take over a game yet. So sure, they've lost some games and they've looked bad, but call me when takeover mode doesn't work. Call me when the superpowers run out. Then we'll start to worry. I'm not worried about the Blazers yet. I don't think you should be either. Those are the reasons you should be optimistic. Do me a favor. Tell your friends about this podcast. The season is starting. We're not going anywhere. We come at you at least three times a week and most times four. You're not getting that anywhere else. We have a lot of fun. And as I've promised you, dear listeners, more interviews coming every week. I'm going to have at least one guest on the show. That's not changing. So let's grow the Locked on Blazers community. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can find it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.